This week, I've made over $300 in my tree side hustle, all from my abundance or from plants that I've traded for. So in this episode, Grant Payne joins me and we talk about how to set up a nursery side hustle, both for trees and for other plants, including flowers. Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, designing your intentional life, homesteading, gardening, and rediscovering culture and tradition. Do you want nut trees? I've got chestnut, hazelnut, elderberry, comfrey, and for a limited time I have American plum, which is a bush that can be used for hedgerows, windbreaks, and wildlife. All of them adapted for the Midwest. Check them out on grownuttrees.com. Okay, welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week, I've got Grant Payne with me. We're talking about how to start a nursery side hustle. Hey, Grant, how's it going? Going pretty good. What new projects do you have going on? Right now, I just kind of winterized down. Um, we'll probably get right into it with the nursery side hustle thing. Is um, your local tractor supplies and Lowe's usually have some things going out? So I was at Tractor Supply last weekend, and they had thirty um, about thirty four pots of geraniums in hanging wow. baskets, and they and I got them for a dollar a piece. Uh, and you look at the value of just the plugs in the tray, the, the plugs in the hanging baskets, the baskets themselves, and the dirt. I made it out great. So if what I'm going to do now is I'm going to overwinter them through until next spring, mm-hmm. and whether them put back out, and then they flower and have new foliage, and or so I can either resell them or hang them around the yard. Um, cause if you have, if you're in a place that has really bad, like Japanese beetles, so Japanese beetles will eat geraniums and then they'll get paralyzed and they can't move for about 10 or 15 seconds. Really? So they just get paralyzed and they fall to the ground. Huh. That's funny. Yeah. So if you have like, if you have like a, your ducks, which I have come to really love ducks because they're, they're, yeah, they're a little dirty, a little messy, but you can use that to your, your benefit. Mm-hmm. but they don't destroy everything like chickens do. Right. So I've had a problem with a, a bunch of, you know, roosters I've had free ranging that are fixing to go to freezer camp uh, this weekend. Cause they keep, I've just freshly mulched like 80 raised beds and they're getting in and they're tearing them up. And I'm like, I get it. You're digging for worms. It's great, but you're going to get eaten now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Yeah. Going, they're graduating to freezer camp. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's funny. So, how do you trim back? Do you trim back the geraniums? Do you do anything and just like cut them down to, you know, nope. like stumps or something? Or what do you do? No, I'll leave them. They're pretty much bare stems. They're each about like six six inches long. Once they get in warm weather, they'll start to put leaves back out. They'll start to continue to grow back out. So over the winter, they'll still develop their vegetation. I gave them some Osmocote, which is a slow-release fertilizer. You Mm. really can't – that's one thing when you kind of have to juggle that commercial fertilization versus your natural fertilization. When you're in the nursery business, you have to use like slow-release fertilizers or chemical fertilizers in some way because it's just not possible because they do not have enough um, enough room to get the nutrients they need from that small pot or that hanging basket. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really nice to have all those, but it, you know, to have 
pristine soil and all this other stuff, but you won't, yeah. you won't get that much growth. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it, if you could have good natural soil, it'll do you for, if you're doing like trees, that'll do you good for, you know, a couple months. Uh-huh. Um, and then they'll start to get vitamin. They'll start to get uh, nutrient deficiencies, um, like some type of chlorosis. And they, they usually kind of need, um, they need some type of fertilization because they're not in the ground to go and find it. So how do they, how do you get them so they're not addicted to that and then they don't do well when you transplant them in the ground? That's a, that's a, I would say that's a good question. I don't personally think they would be, I probably don't overuse it. Uh-huh. Um, so with um, Osmocote, it is in little, like little bitty balls and you just sprinkle it over your thing. It tells you how much to use. I probably overuse it uh, right now. Because whether they were in very poor condition, because they stayed yeah. just drained, and I made good dirt. It was out of compost. Um, it was out of pine bark. It was out of perlite and peat moss. So it was mm-hmm. a very good. I make because I make my own potting mix. It was a it was a fantastic combination, and I can make it cheaper than what you can buy it for wholesale. Wow. So. It's but but it went through like four or five months, and then they kind of started. They could they weren't being able to grow anymore. So I don't think they'll be addicted to it and will be reliant on it because they're using that nutrients to continue to grow and develop roots and develop foliage. So when you put them in the ground, they'll be, they'll, they'll have the opportunity to shoot out roots to go find and go get enough nutrients so they can continue to grow. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. So let's talk a little bit about you creating a side hustle with a plant nursery. I'll, I'll talk about trees and then you have every you have everything else. So one of the keys that I found is seeds have a memory. Yes. And you need to sell shirts that say seeds have a memory. <laughs> I'll help you I'll help you figure out what design you need and then I'll buy some. I I love it. <laughs> well, you you're free to create the design and I'll pay you for it. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. So yeah, see, so seeds have a memory. The trees and the seeds that you get they survived and they thrived in a certain kind of climate. So I'm in Northeast Kansas, even getting Baker Creek seeds for the garden and they're in Missouri, then, you know, they're in Southern Missouri, then some of their stuff just doesn't do well on my land just because it's, it's enough different. I've got a lot of clay, all this other stuff, but the thing that'll set you apart, if you're going to get into selling trees, selling plants, whatever else is that you are selling local, that you are selling something that is adapted towards your area. So especially with chestnuts, I like to grow out chestnuts. And if if I don't grow them out myself, I don't have a lot of options. I mean, I can go with Tris- Twisted Tree Farm up in you know the Northeast. They're in upstate New York. That's not too bad. I have a couple of trees that are from there. Or there's the Northwest, but those don't do very well because this ain't Pacific Northwest, right? So those just die, die, die. And then there's some there's some other nurseries up around Michigan. All of those don't do well in Kansas. And this is how I started. And I share this story quite a bit. But my friend went down to the local elementary school in our small town. And he thought that he would plant some chestnut trees. And after a few years, he could do chestnuts roasting by the open fire. He demonstrated to the kids so that was a good idea until the principal said, no way, no way. <laughs> we can't do that from a li- legal liability standpoint. So the the chestnuts are still down there. They're like somewhere between seven and 10 years old. They're big. And 
no one's picking these chestnuts up. He showed me them and he gave me some, and then I'm pretty much the only one harvesting them. So I get buckets of them. And then I started sprouting them out in buckets of sand for the winter time. And then in April, they've got a shoot coming out. They've got a root coming out. I take them and put them in tree pots and then grow them out the rest of the way. So I have chestnuts. I go and plant some, I sell some, and I trade with others for other stuff. So, and then little by little, it's grown into a pretty good gig. I got 250 bucks this week from the different locations. And we'll talk about options to sell them. It's hard to sell trees in the fall because nobody's really thinking about trees. If you go to Google Trends and you look up anything from chestnuts or comfrey or anything, it peaks in in March to May, usually around May. That's when everybody goes to the garden centers, right? So no one's really planting too many trees in the in the fall. And a lot of the nurseries like Twisted Tree don't even sell trees in the fall anymore. You've got a little niche where the people who want to plant trees in the fall, you can sell to. But, you know, you have to be realistic and say, okay, so I have to put these somewhere because then we'll then we'll ramp up in the in the spring. So to address that question, the such an easy thing to do when you because if, if you want to get into the nursery side hustle, which I kind of after this get into something that I personally went through that would have expanded yep. this into more of a side hustle. But if you're given if you're able to go out and source a bunch of pallets. Um, mm-hmm. Go get those pallets and then take PVC pipe, run your PVC pipe overhead, get you some greenhouse plastic, and bang, you've got a hot frame that will keep all your stuff good through the winter. Now, oh, yeah. you be, you being in Kansas, which is, in my opinion, a much harsher climate when it comes to cold, you might get maybe like some black 55-gallon barrels, f- fill them full of water, and then sit them in the middle so they will absorb heat like a battery. Um, if you're able to get like iron rock, if, I don't know if that's abundant in your area. If you can get some iron rock, line the edges with iron rock. Other things to help absorb heat and to keep that warmer to kind of fight off that frost would be fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, yeah, I've got a greenhouse that I've created using discarded windows. Yeah. And it's really good for storing those kind of things. I can get a lettuce crop that'll last almost you know, sometimes into January, sometimes in February. And then um, I can, I can keep my chestnuts from getting too cold. Um, most of the time I just put them in the garage. So, you know, they, they've got enough of uh, those three months of cold in the garage where, but they're not freezing, freezing. And then that seems to work pretty good. I just stack up two gallon buckets, not the five gallon buckets. I take two gallon buckets. I fill them with sand. I put one layer of chestnuts in there put a lid on them with a holes drilled in it. And I just stack them up in the garage. And then in April, I go check them. So, yeah. That's one um, thing I kind of want to do with hickory nuts. Cause I just got a oh, five yeah. gallon bucket full of hickory nuts and black walnuts as well. Yeah. That, uh, and there's, we still have that chestnut tree at school. I'm actually going to go tomorrow morning and uh, pick up what's falling off that. Try to crack them open. I don't, I have, I kind of struggle with kind of cracking them open because they're so spiky. Uh-huh. Uh, so. Well, you take was, yeah, the best way to do that is either use gloves or put them on the ground and step on them. Okay. Yeah. So if you step on them, then, you know, it'll bust the things open. <clears throat> now, We're at the sort of time, like 
we just got done with our our harvest. So the last ones opened up on the trees and dumped all over the ground. So yeah. there's some burrs on the ground, but for the most part, the ones that were on the ground got eaten by the squirrels or picked up by me. And then the rest of them just got dumped. The burr opened on the tree. Yeah. There's empty burrs on the tree and then they mm-hmm. all dumped on the ground. One thing I want, I've been thinking about that I wanted to ask you is you had mentioned uh, when we talked about chestnuts before is there's a, up in Germany, they'll have these chestnut orchards they'll run hogs through. Do the yeah. hogs not have an issue with like getting them out of the shell or do they just kind of plow it straight through? They apparently figure it out. So it's either, I don't, I don't know the specifics of what they do, mm-hmm. but apparently they have enough that dump down. And so in France and Italy and up in all those areas, they've got hazelnuts and they've got chestnuts. They run the hogs through there and it's supposed to get a rich meat. It's very distinctive for that area. And, uh, you know, kind of a brownish kind of meat, but it's got that kind of rich flavor to it. Yeah. One one thing we always kind of talk about is abundance is when you have abundance, use it properly. And, if you really want to kind of get into nursery production and get abundance, don't don't forget your acorn. Tr- don't forget acorn trees. Yeah, you can always use those. Sell them to people who want deer deer plots or food plots or even just f- to have trees. But things I have found that are very easy to propagate are pomegranates. Pomegranate trees. If you have, if you can get a hold of one in your area, just get some cuttings, so you can have it in your area grow it out i had a nine foot tall pomegranate tree that would produce two or three dozen pomegranates a year until i had a really late cold snap kill it down to the stump wow but which it had some disease already so it was already weak but figs 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 yeah. figs figs are so prolific um i still have everything kind of in draft of what you wanted me to write but when you you can lay root you can lay root figs. You can lay root pomegranates. You can just about lay root any and every tree. And that's a process when you take like a low limb, touch mm-hmm. it to the soil, bound up soil around it, and then put a board and then some heavy rocks or bricks on top of it. You can do the same thing with like an air layer by putting, you know, a, thing, a clip of soil around the branch of the tree. If you kind of scratch off the bark so you can say like the green cambium layer, um, and then put some root and powder on it and then close that up to keep it moist. And then you can also do an air route through that. Sure. Yeah. And also folks do stool beds. So they'll plant an apple tree seedling and then uh, kind of bend it over and then pile dirt up on it. And the branches from the side of the apple tree are now going up. And so those will grow up. They'll root out into the dirt and then you can go and cut, 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 cut. And you'll get like four apple seedlings out of yeah. that apple tree. That's, and... a, that's essentially the lay rooting process. Okay. Yeah. See, I had a, uh, I have an autumn olive in my food forest that for some reason blew over a little bit. It's, it's doing that. I don't have it completely covered in soil, but the side branches are coming up and turning into, you know, seedlings by themselves. Um, the good thing about doing that with apples is that um, you don't have to worry about grafting because you've already grafted the apple or, apple or the apple's already grafted. You lay it down and you get it like that. You could get a couple of seedlings out of that. They're going to be true to yeah, the apple because yeah. they're above the graft. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's always cool because I had a, 
crab apples, like the ornamental crab apples that will, you know, flower and make that little bitty, teeny tiny, berry sized apples. Sure. In my opinion, that is what is a true crab apple. I know you might see some old timers call like these misshapen green apples, crab apples. Um, not the same thing, but those are also good used for rootstock. So if you have one that's good in your area, you could always just take one of those, get them on clearance. If you can see, the funny thing is, is when they have rootstock, they'll put suckers up. A lot of the time they use, in my opinion, low quality rootstock and they'll put suck and they'll start shooting suckers up that are not true to the fruit you're growing. So you could always take those, cut those and root those, lay root those, and then you could always create more rootstock to graft another apple seed to. And like persimmons, persimmons are another good fruit tree that I think a lot of people sleep on. But you can graft a peach tree onto a persimmon tree. Really? So if you grow up a bunch of persimmon saplings, you can then graft peach onto your persimmon. Yeah, persimmons grow like crazy around here. They don't, uh, you know, they're not that great to eat until they're really, really super duper ripe. Yeah, you have to essentially nasty. You have to essentially kind of wait till they're mushy, and then you right. you process them, and then you cook them down. Mm-hmm. And they're still kind of, you know, uh, sour or stringent, you know, because they're wild or yeah, you know, they're they're Kansas persimmons, right? So yeah, I haven't I haven't heard about. Um, grafting peach onto them. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of things. Um, one thing is a nursery side hustle. Facebook, get on Facebook, get on like next door or neighbors. I forget what the name of the app is called. Hold on, next door. Find people who are getting rid of flowers they don't want anymore. Just come dig them all up. Dig them up, take them home, divide them out, and then repot them nurse them and then sell you can do that with day lilies canna lilies calla lilies hostas pretty much anything like that they're all very low maintenance and they'll mm-hmm. essentially do all of the work yeah you had a mum factory going on over there yeah we so did those are chrysanthemums right chrysanthemums yes those are your standard mm-hmm. mums that um i plan on next year growing them out partially myself but these were grown out at school um so if you if you want to turn this into a legitimate business, I encourage everybody find a whole like a like a read like a wholesale who sells like plant cuttings. You can buy them in trays of two hundred eighty eight for about forty to fifty dollars. Really, and you sometimes you can if you have a greenhouse, sometimes you can catch things on clearance. You know that instead of their fifty cents, they may be twelve cents a, a cutting. So your price drops significantly. I know North Carolina wholesale plugs is what I, I check out. That's where I'm going to order from. I can't say anything about their business, but they look like they know what they're doing. Um, so I will wholesale buy plants from the school, which is we're in the horticulture program. Um, I did the same thing last spring. I went ahead, I pretty much filled a bunch of orders and then I paid for them wholesale and then turned around and flipped them, made, you know, about, you know, 60, 70% off of, those um right you can do the same take them to farmers markets you know flea markets stuff like that if you always have extra and you really just kind of want to start getting your name out there mm-hmm. there are there are tons of things that you can do um like your begonias those are those are good pretty much any bedding plant in the that you would have in springtime like vinca 
all does great. My favorite is Celosia, like the fire combs. That's my personal favorite. I had some this year and I ended up doing the math on it. And I have a little mason jar with about 30,000 seeds from a handful of plants. Wow. So, so, yeah. That's crazy good. Yeah. So some people say, well, what about the state forestry service? So here in Kansas and in Missouri, you can get 25 plants for 75 bucks, which is $3 a plant, right? And they're only in the little small uh, tree pot. But at the same time, you're supposed to not resell those. So (laughs) what I know, so what I do is because that's, you know, you basically sort of agree that you're not going to resell those, but I take those home and I grow them out for a year yeah, and I adapt them to my land and then they're yeah. not the state. They're not the state's plan anymore. All right. my plan. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Cause you're also putting in the, the time and the energy to repot them, keep right. them through the winter, fertilize them as needed, protect mm-hmm. them. Yeah. I love it. I love that. I yeah, think at least I, a I'm, year. Cause I, cause then it's like, look, dude, you know, it's over a year since I bought these, <laughs> these are mine now. And what you can also do is you can also take cuttings off those trees, root them, grow mm-hmm. your own. That's I think I may see if it's too late for me to buy some of those tree. I don't know where I would find that to buy some, but I think I might just do that. Yeah, we've got year. in Kansas. They come up. Uh, there was a sale starting in September, and then they have the the spring sale starts December first. So you know, and I just grow them out for a year, and then uh, um, in addition to, and this year I got my first hazelnuts. My first, uh, I, seven years ago, I planted hazelnuts from the Michigan nursery and I was just about to give up on them. I have six plants back there in the back 40 and I went back there and there was a handful of hazelnuts on each plant. So now I've got some hazel from those. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to plant those out or, you know, sprout those out and, uh, get some seedlings next year. So I just pulled up um, the Georgia Forestry Commission seedlings mm-hmm. and they have um, elite genetics for like loblolly pines. Uh, they have like four different loblolly pines. They're selling them for six, 60 cents a piece. If you buy 50 of them, they have persimmons at $3 a piece. If you buy 10, 50, if you buy them at $1, I may just do that. And then they have like <laughs> flowering trees, like crepe myrtle, redbud, dogwoods. Yep. Um, and then they have some hardwood trees. So that is very cool. They have they even have nut trees, but they're out. So yeah, that is yeah, usually that is something trees, I didn't think about. Nut trees usually become available, you know, in like like here they become available. They they sell those, or that you can order them in December, and then they'll ship in the late winter. Mm-hmm. So I got a bunch of uh, hazelnut last year, and some persimmons and things like that, but. And and this is another thing is make the relationships. So I've got a good relationship with uh, with apple orchard guy down here that who's a 39th parallel nursery. He's at 39th parallel.com. I don't compete with him because he does everything so cool that I get, I get scions from him. I've got trees that I have apples bearing. I've been buying trees from him every year since, uh, since uh, I think it's 2017. So, you know, I've got six-year-old, seven-year-old trees that I bought with him from every year. And then every winter I buy scions and rootstock from him. And then I 
try and uh, another round of grafting. So I don't, I don't mess with apple trees because he does it so well, Mm -hmm. but by nurturing that relationship, I, I called him up and I said, Hey, I'm looking at the chestnut. There's a chestnut um, business down the, down the street from me. And they're a huge chestnut business. They're organic. And they did a warning that this year there was a late frost and he's down in the Valley a little bit, but um, there was a late frost that affected him and he can't meet his orders for the stores, for the local stores. And he's organic, but, and we'll get, we'll get into whether you can use those from the store but uh, so he had a late frost. He's got very little to no crop. I'm driving past the apple guy who's, you know, half mile away from there. And he doesn't have hardly any apples on his trees. And I was really surprised. So I call him up. I said, hey, Mike, you know, it looks like you don't have any apples today. What happened? And uh, he said he got hit by that frost, too. But since I have a relationship with the guy and I buy from him all the time, he said, hey, I've got some uh, American plum that I have and they're extras and you can have them for free. Just come pick them up. <laughs> I don't go, okay. <laughs> you know, so, and uh, American plum plums, like a thorny bush that you use for hedgerows and uh, you know, and wildlife and stuff. So I'm afraid that's going to take over here. So I'm going to trade them with some other people and then you can diversify by trading amongst yourselves. So this is basically a master class that you could take and run with. I'll also have links in the show notes on how I sprout out chestnuts and other seeds. If you like this unique topic, shoot us a tip on Venmo at Thrive in the Future or Cash App Dollar Thrive in the Future. Join our thriving Patreon at patreon.com slash Thrive in the Future. That helps us cover our expenses like hosting. Come back next week for part two on how to start a nursery side hustle. If you can't wait that long, Join the Patreon at patreon.com slash thriveinthefuture, and you can get the part two of this episode sooner than next week. Thank you for listening to Thrive in the Future podcast. If you like what you hear, please click that like or subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Thrive in the Future, and also go to thriveinthefuture.com.